Welcome to the teaching ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California. Join our pastors as they share biblical principles of God's transforming grace so that you may learn God's word in order to live God's way. Take your Bibles. We get to look at God's word. God is so good. Just uh, while you're turning there to Philippians chapter 1, I was sending a text to some friends in ministry this morning saying that I was praying for them, and I sent them a passage out of 1 Corinthians 2, but as I opened my iPhone to cut and paste, uh, copy and paste that to them, I noticed a phrase in the first chapter which says that Christ is sustaining us until the day we will be with him, Paul is saying, and he says on that day we will stand, we will stand guiltless before our Lord. That is the hope of the gospel. And if you have turned from your sins and you have trusted in Jesus Christ, right now you are sitting guiltless in his eyes. That's the gospel message. I don't care what you did last week. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, right now you are covered with his righteousness and you are blameless in God's eyes. That is the good news of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, we'll look at verses 18b through 26, but let's pray first. Father, thank you for the hope of the gospel, singing these wonderful truths this morning, God. Oh, Lord, you are so good to us. In your great love, Father, you sent your Son into this world to take our place. The Son of God slain for us. God, that phrase from a song slays me every time that you would send Jesus to absorb all of your wrath that was due to fall upon each one of us. You raised him from the dead by the power of your spirit, God, and that is the hope of every Christian. We've been singing about it, God. You will raise us up one day and we will come into your presence guiltless and full of joy. On that day, God, our joy will be unleashed in ways that we could never, ever imagine. And we long for that day. Help us as we look at your word to love you more, to want to be with you more, to want to live and do ministry more, God. And may you be honored and may you be glorified through our life and through our death, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In his book, Joy Way, uh, Guy King wrote, wrote his book, Joy Way. It's a commentary on Philippians. He wrote it in 1952. He said there are two ways in which an object can be magnified. Uh, in recent years, John Piper has probably popularized this more than Guy King. But he says there are two ways that an object can be magnified. One is by the microscope, where you take the thing that is small and you magnify it to make it big. The other way is by the telescope, where you take something that is far off and is big and glorious, and through that telescope, you make that thing come near and closer, and you see how big it is. Today, we're going to be talking about how we magnify Jesus Christ with our life, and with our death. But you have to understand what I mean when I say magnify Jesus Christ. I do not mean that we make him big, that we make him glorious, because he already is infinitely glorious. We don't make God anything. Rather, our lives become like telescopes where we make the infinitely glorious God who seems so far away with our life, we make him, if you will, look big and near to others. That's what Guy King says in his commentary. He says, that is the Christian's joy. 
his body and being becoming a telescope, showing to others God's true greatness and bringing to those who see God but far off the sense of his real nearness. That's what it means to magnify Jesus Christ. You magnify Jesus Christ when you are a telescope Christian, when others can look at your life and the God who is far, far away, they see him near and they see him close. You magnify Jesus Christ when he is the single burning passion of your life. And when he is the single burning passion of your life, it changes your perspective of living and it changes your perspective of dying. And that's what Paul says here when he says, I want Christ to be honored. He wants Christ to be magnified. It's the Greek word megaluno. You, you know what he's talking about. You don't have to be a Greek scholar. Mega. Paul is saying, I want Christ to be seen as mega in my life, as glorious, as big. And I want him to be magnified and exalted. That's what it means to magnify Jesus Christ. We're going to have two truths, two big ideas to look at today. And the first is this. You magnify Jesus Christ with your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others. You magnify Jesus Christ. You make him look great. You make him look close and near to others in your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others. Look at verse 18. Paul says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ. Remember last week, Paul was rejoicing that the gospel was advancing in spite of his imprisonment. Today, he says, I am still rejoicing in verse 18b. He gives the reason why when you see the word for there. See the word for? He says, yes, and I will rejoice for, and here's the reason, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So Paul is saying, I'm rejoicing. My joy is unleashed. And here's why. Because I know you Philippians are praying for me. And because you're praying for me, the Spirit of God is helping me. And because you're praying for me and the Spirit of God is helping me, this is going to turn out for my deliverance. So Paul is saying, my joy is being unleashed because you Philippians are praying for me. The Philippians were dying to themselves because they were praying for Paul because I think the Philippians were like we are. Prayer is hard sometimes, is it not? It's hard to pray because you have to die to yourself. Your laziness, your uncertainties of what's going on, how you pray for someone, you have to you know, think, how can I pray for this person instead of just saying, Lord bless them. But you have to think, God, how, what can I pray for this person? So you have to die to yourself. And I believe that's what the Philippians were doing. They were praying, the Greek word there is, very specific prayers for Paul. And the Spirit of God was then helping Paul because they were dying to themselves. And when they died to themselves in prayer and the Spirit of God helped Paul, then Paul's joy was maximized. That's why he says, I am rejoicing 
But he also says he's rejoicing, not just because they're praying for him and the Spirit of God is helping them. He's rejoicing. His joy is maximized. His joy is unleashed because he says, this will turn out for my deliverance. What's he talking about when he says this? He's talking about his imprisonment. I I love Paul. He's got this, he's in prison, on death row, maybe about to have his head chopped off, and he says, oh, this will turn out for my deliverance. What a perspective on trials. This. This will turn out for my deliverance. There's two ways to take this. One is his deliverance from prison. Um, the other, and I don't, I don't take that. I think the other one is his vindication. I think he's quoting Job from Job 13, I think, where he says, this will turn out for my vindication. What Paul means is that when the Philippians pray for Paul and the Spirit of God helps him, this is furthering him to get to that day when he will be guiltless before his Lord, when he will stand vindicated before his Lord because of Jesus Christ. Either way, though, Paul's point is that his joy is maximized because the Philippians are praying for him, the Spirit of God is helping him, and it's all working for his salvation. You see, you magnify Jesus Christ with your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others, and that's what the Philippians were doing. Paul's doing that too, though. He magnifies Jesus Christ with his life. Look at verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. Paul says, I want Jesus Christ to be honored, to be magnified in my body whether by life or whether by death. He's so passionate about Jesus, so gospel-centered, he says that to live is Christ. What does it mean to live as Christ, though? Paul will show us in verse 20, 21, and 22, and if you're like an underliner or a circler or a highlighter, notice where Paul uses the word life or live in these three verses. Verse 20, he says, whether by life. Verse 21, to live is Christ. Verse 22, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. So Paul says, I want Christ to be magnified through my body, in my body, through my life. And then he says, to live is Christ. And then he says, to live in the flesh means fruitful labor for him. So the phrase, to live is Christ, is further explained by that little phrase there, fruitful labor. To live as Christ means Paul has fruitful labor. It's ministry. In this context, it's ministry to the Philippians. To live as Christ for Paul meant living to do ministry. Living to continue preaching the gospel and making disciples, making disciples. That's what live, to live as Christ means for Paul. It's ministering to other people to see their joy unleashed. See how Paul is dying to himself so that others can maximize their joy in Jesus Christ. He's not interested in making a name for himself. He only wants Jesus Christ to be magnified. And the people that he ministers to, he wants their joy to be maximized in this life. You see, you magnify Jesus Christ in your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others. 
we see the personal death of Paul. Look at verses 22 through 24. Let me show you how he's dying. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Here, Paul is torn here. I want to minister to you Philippians, but I want to be with Jesus because it's far better. He says, he says I'm torn. The, it's, he's, he's caught between a, a rock and a hard place here. I, I want to minister to you. I want to see your joy maximized and your joy unleashed. But, but I want to be with Jesus because Jesus is far better. So he's, he's kind of like a quarterback surrounded by his own linemen in the, in the defensive ends and the, and the linebackers. And he's kind of caught in the middle and he's saying, I have nowhere to go. I can't make up my mind. I want to stay here because you will get more joy in Jesus. And when you get more joy in Jesus, then, then he is magnified. But, but I want to be with Jesus. And I want my joy to be maximized when I'm with Jesus. So I'm kind of torn between the two here. And then he says in verse 23, My desire is to, to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He knew it was far better to be with Jesus, but he says it's necessary for the Philippians that he remain. And then he says in verse 25, look, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. What's he convinced of? He's not convinced, I don't believe, that he's going to be released from prison or that he won't get executed. I think he's convinced that remaining in the flesh is more necessary for the Philippians. The phrase here, I know that I, I will remain, is a, it's a future tense verb. It, it means that he's expecting something to ha- happen. Uh, you could paraphrase it this way. I know, or my personal conviction and thought on the matter, is that I expect to remain and expect to continue with all of you Philippians. His personal de- desires are, are being killed so that, these pastoral desires come to life. So you magnify Jesus Christ with your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others, that others have joy in Jesus Christ. See, the single burning passion of Paul's life was that Jesus Christ would be magnified. And he said, he's going to be magnified in my living as I do fruitful labor in ministry. In verse 25, he's going to explain a little bit more what this fruitful labor is. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul says, my ministry is all about you progressing in your faith and progressing in your joy. This verse is, is my life. It was all over my resume when I sent it in earlier this year. I want to minister in such a way that people progress in their faith, they grow spiritually, and their joy in Christ is unleashed, and it continues. Paul says it here, the word progress. We, we saw it last week where he said the, the gospel is advancing. That's the word here for progress. He says, I want your, your faith to to advance, to be increasing, to be clearing away through all the hardships. I want your faith to grow and to advance. But he also wants their joy. He says, for your progress and joy in the faith. That's why this series through Philippians is called Joy Unleashed. 
Paul wants their joy in Christ to be unleashed. He wants it, there to be a pathway made through every trial and every hardship and every difficulty where it seems like whatever you're going through, there can be no joy in that. Paul says, I am laboring in such a way that you will begin to have joy clearing away through every circumstance that you go through. And that joy is rooted in the gospel that Jesus Christ came to die, to bring us to God, to transform us in this life, to resurrect us and usher us into the kingdom upon the new earth where there will be no more sorrow and no more sickness as we were singing this morning. It's all rooted in that gospel message. Now notice how Paul will help increase their joy. Look at verse 26. So that... In me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Notice the words here, so that. He's giving them the purpose of what will happen, why he's staying in the flesh if God wills that for him. He says that you will have ample cause to glory or boast or rejoice when they see Paul again. The word here for ample cause, we saw it in Philippians verse 9 where it says, I want your love to abound, I want your love to overflow. Paul is saying, if I remain in the flesh and I see you again and we see each other, you're glorying in Jesus Christ. Your joy is going to overflow the set boundaries. And you know what happens when the military step off the plane and they see their family, what happens? Their joy is unleashed. And that's what Paul's talking about here. When I see you again, you're going to do cartwheels. You're going to jump up and down because I'm out of prison. And your joy will be maximized and your joy will be unleashed. She says, so that if I remain, you will have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ. And that's the second purpose. Paul wants God to be magnified. He doesn't want to show up in Philippi and they see him and they're so excited and they're saying, oh, Paul, we love you, we love you. And he says, oh, stop it, really, stop it. It's not what he's talking about. He wants them to see Paul to have their joy overflow because Jesus Christ will be magnified. He says, I want you to have ample cause. I want you to overflow in glorying in boasting and exalting and rejoicing in Jesus Christ. And then he gets magnified and he gets glorified. That's how Paul defines his ministry. People's joy being maximized and Jesus Christ being magnified. That happens when we die to our own desires to help others increase in faith and joy. Donald Carson writes this in a commentary. He says, the lesson to be learned is startlingly clear. Put the converts of the gospel at the center of your principled self-denial. Paul's deepest hopes for his own immediate future turned neither on the bliss of immediately gaining heaven's portals nor on returning to a fulfilling ministry and escaping the pangs of death, but on what is best for his converts. Often we are tempted to evaluate alternatives by thinking through what seems best for us. How often do we raise as a first principle what is best for the church? 
When faced with, say, a job offer that would take us to another city or mortal illness that calls forth our diligent intercession, how quickly do we employ Paul's criterion here established? What would be best for the church? What would be best for my brothers and sisters in Christ? You see, you magnify Jesus Christ with your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize other people's joy. Now think about that statement. How is that statement going to change our marriages? How will that statement change this church? How will that statement change our jobs? How will that statement change our families? Practically, it looks like this. How would your spouse feel if you said, I'm going to magnify Jesus Christ by dying to my own desire to sit in the recliner and watch sports so that your joy can be maximized when I load the dishwasher? Ladies, would your joy be maximized? Yeah. You get my point. What would happen to our marriages if we started saying, you know what? I'm going to die to myself because two things happen when I die to myself. My spouse's joy in Christ is maximized. And when her joy in Christ is maximized, Jesus Christ is magnified. And when I serve, Jesus Christ is magnified. What would it look like here in this church? When you hear a need, you think, I'm going to die to myself. Beginning in January, we need Sunday school teachers for the 9 o'clock hour for second grade third grade, and fourth and fifth grade. What would happen if you thought, you know what, I'm going to die to myself because I'm scared or I'm lazy or don't feel qualified. What would happen if some of you, by the Spirit of God, started to say, you know what, I'm going to die to myself so that joy can come to these second graders and these third graders and these fourth and fifth graders. And when that happens, my God is magnified. How awesome would that be? You magnify Jesus Christ with your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others. For anyone in your life, take that principle with you. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, that's great because everybody's joy is getting maximized and Jesus is getting magnified. And what about me, Benji? I'm glad you asked. Because my friend Paul quotes Jesus in Acts 20, 35 to help those of us who think, what about my joy? When's my joy going to get unleashed? If I serve my spouse, his or her joy is unleashed. If I serve my kids or serve this church, their joy is unleashed. And Jesus is magnified. What about my joy being unleashed? And God, in his sovereign grace, records this statement by Jesus, only found in the book of Acts, where Jesus said this. Paul is is talking in Acts 20. He says this, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak, and that can include second, third, and fourth, and fifth grade kids in a Sunday school class, and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
You quote it every year at Christmas. Do you know where it is in the Bible? Acts 20, 35. You will be blessed, Jesus said. The Greek word is happy. You will be happy. Your joy will be maximized. Your joy will be unleashed when you die to yourself so that others' joy can be maximized and Jesus magnified. The problem is that we tend to forget this, which is why Paul said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So when you don't want to load the dishwasher, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When you don't want to play football with your kids because you're tired, say to yourself, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. There's a blessing in this for me. My joy will be unleashed if I serve people. When you're tempted to say, I wonder who's going to fill that position for the second, third, or fourth and fifth grade class. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed you will be more happy if you give than if you receive you magnify jesus christ with your life when you die to yourself in order to maximize joy in others that's how we magnify christ with our life how do we magnify jesus with our death how do you magnify jesus with the way that you die Here's our next big idea. You magnify Jesus Christ with your death when you can leave everything in this life in order to maximize your joy. You magnify Jesus Christ with your death when you can leave everything in this life and count it as joy. Look at verse 21. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. What does it mean that it's gain? In the Greek world, it's this word that they would use to say that dying was gain, but it was used of people who had miserable lives, people who just wanted to leave this world. And they said, it's gain because you escaped misery. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking, there's no bit of escapism in Paul. What does it mean to die is gain? Dwight Pentecost says this, if a man's life is given over to the acquisition of things that concern this life only, dying can never be gain because it means he leaves everything behind that he considers important. But if Christ is the center of life and Christ is what a man gets out of life, he is leaving lesser things to go into the presence of the one who is life itself to him. He is forsaking all lesser things to attain what has been his life goal all along. That means everything in this life is a lesser thing. Everything. Doesn't mean you elbow your spouse right now and say you're a lesser thing. But that's what it means. That you can leave everything in this life and count it joy. You magnify Jesus Christ with your death when you can leave everything in this life in order to maximize your joy in a way that you and I have no idea, but it is eternal joy. But what about the Philippians, Paul? You would, now you're saying you want to leave to maximize your joy. What about them? Is it selfish for Paul to leave? No, because if the single burning passion of the Philippians' life is to magnify Jesus Christ, then Paul can go because they're going to continue dying to themselves in order to maximize joy in others. Jesus gets magnified. They're going to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that it's better to give than to receive, and then their joy is going to be maximized. So it's not selfish for Paul to want to leave because of who he sees 
when he leaves. Look at verse 23. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. The key to Paul's desire to leave this world is found right there in that phrase, for that is far better. To be with Jesus Christ is far better than anything any of us have ever experienced on this earth. Jesus is better than everything. He's better than money. He's better than a job. He's better than a good nap. He's better than intimacy with your spouse. He's better than your kids. Jesus Christ is better than every single thing in this world world and any good that you have tasted in this life from the blessings that he has given us was given to you so that you would develop a taste for a glory that you have yet to experience he is better than anything can you say that today jesus is better than my kids jesus is better than my spouse jesus is better than intimacy with my spouse is he better than everything to you When you can say that and you can say dying is gain, leaving my family behind, leaving my friends behind, leaving my church behind, when you can say dying is gain, then you magnify Jesus Christ because you say, Jesus, you're far better than everything here. Listen to these words. You may not think it's that big of a deal that Jesus Christ is the single burning passion of your life. But it is a big deal. One man said this, Oh, might I be shown the way to devote my life more completely to the service of God and the gospel. I keep praying for it. Do you know who said that? Vincent Van Gogh who later probably went crazy. One time he was a missionary to these miners in Belgium, I believe. Somewhere along the way, Vincent van Gogh lost his passion for Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, he did not see Jesus as far better than the pleasures of this world. Don't let his story become yours. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep pressing on and leaving things behind and straining forward to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. And keep reminding yourself that Jesus is better than everything in this life. Everything. And when you do that and you can say that it's far better and you can say that dying is gain, you magnify Jesus Christ. You make him look infinitely glorious and big in your life. So that when you lose your job, you tell your coworkers, it's okay because I got Jesus. That is not going to change. There's still sadness, there's still sorrow. You still have to look for a new job, but you can say, you know what? They can't take Jesus away from me. He's far better than every single thing in this world. And so you can let go of those things. Martin Luther said, right, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. You can let those things go because being with Jesus is far better. You magnify Jesus Christ with your death when you can leave everything in this life in order to maximize your joy, your eternal joy in him and with him. May we become a church who by God's sovereign grace, magnify Jesus Christ 
by dying to ourselves so that others may increase in faith and joy. And may we become a church who magnify Jesus Christ by our deaths, by leaving everything here and counting eternity with Jesus as far better. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son. You're better than everything in this world. And so many times, Father, we get captivated and lured away by all the shiny, sparkly things that this world has to offer to us. And we know from experience, Father, when we taste of the pleasures of the world, it does not satisfy us. It leaves us hungry, wanting more. It leaves us really wanting you, God. Would you make us a church that says Jesus is better than everything? Would you make us a church that says, until I go and be with him, I'm going to die to myself so that others can have their joy maximized and unleashed Would you help us to remember, Father, that it is more blessed, more happy, there's more joy when we give than when we receive. And that may that, Father, change every area of our life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hope is that today's message empowers you by God's grace to live God's way. For more information, visit us online at gracebath.net. 